This is the AAOS Advocacy Podcast, part of the Bone Beat Orthopedic Podcast channel. This series features important conversations on health policy issues, as well as advocacy efforts to advance access and quality to musculoskeletal health care. Be sure to tune in on the third Tuesday of every month for our regular program. I'm your host, Doug Lundy, chair of the AAOS Advocacy Council. All right, y'all, welcome back to the Advocacy Bone Beat podcast. This is a very exciting episode that we're doing now for several reasons. First off, one of my good friends is going to be our guest on the show today. But also, very importantly, we have this show dropping right before many of y'all are either going to do mail-in ballots or as you go to the polls in November to vote for real in the regular elections in person at that point. We're going to talk a lot about different physicians running for Congress and some of the ways that physicians can interact on the political level, oftentimes the highest level. But remember, y'all, that our physician colleagues run for offices up and down the entire spectrum from very local offices to statewide up into the federal offices. So quick primer real fast on the Office of Government Relations, one of the Best parts of being counsel and advocacy chair is I get to work with Graham Newsom, who is the director of Office of Government Relations and the three wonderful directors that work alongside with him. So we have Catherine Boudreaux-Hayes, who is the director of the legislative side. We have Sharasi Deb, who's the director on the regulatory side. And today we get to talk with Brittany Starr. And Brittany is the AOS senior political director at the Office of Government Relations. She works full-time at AOS in Washington, D.C., and Brittany has an extensive amount of experience and activity in this area. She runs the Political Action Committee along with our friend, Dr. John Gill, and Brittany's fingers are on the pulse of what's going on on the national level and all these things. I've had a really great time getting to know Brittany through my capacity as council chair. So, Brittany, welcome to the Boom Beat Podcast. Thank you, Dr. Lundy. I've been a longtime listener of the Bone Bee, and I'm really excited to be on this episode with you talking about the upcoming election. Thank you. I was really excited when we heard that you were going to be doing this with us. I left Georgia to move up to Pennsylvania. And if you turn the news on, those are the two states that they always talk about in the news that's going to decide the election. So tell us who's going to win the House and who's going to win the Senate and how is that going to affect the 118th Congress? I'm just kidding. I'm not putting that on you. Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) Nobody knows what's going to happen there. But more importantly, on episode number 11, we asked why the election matters for MSK care in October of 2020. Can you give us an insight of why does it matter so much what happens in the elections in terms of musculoskeletal care? So, Dr. Lundy, physicians have real understanding of the problems facing the healthcare industry, including the bureaucratic red tape that is strangling physicians and driving up the cost of healthcare for most Americans. Physicians have watched in the past few election cycles in the past few years that the profession has undergone a tremendous amount of realignments that are shifting doctors' responsibilities away from patient care and changes that they attribute to the government's efficiency or inefficiencies. And I think physicians are trained to diagnose a problem and find a solution. And that's why we need them at the federal government level. Thank you. That is very well said. When I look at this and I read the statistics, physicians vote 10% less than the general public and 20% less than other highly educated professions. 
I'm not going to put you in the seat of saying what is wrong with us, but why do you think that contributes to why we turn out so poorly? That is a great question. I don't know the answer to that. I would assume because physicians don't have a regular nine to five job that sometimes they're planning to vote after work one day, but a case comes up and they are just not able to get to the polls in time. I think as we found out in 2020, when a lot of states become more flexible in how to vote, that there was an increased amount of voting. In 2020, the voter turnout was a 65%, which was 10% more than it was in 2016. And I hope we'll see that again in 2022 as people are voting by mail, voting early, or just making a general plan to get to the polls on election day. So when people come out to vote in today's day and age with the highly partisan nature of our political sector, a lot of folks already know which way they're going, but there's probably some folks out there that are still not decided on to which way they're going to vote. And how can our listeners figure out if there's somebody on their election ballot that may have voted for our concerns or against them? That's a great question. And thank you for asking that. This election cycle, we have created the joint policy card and you can find that at www.aos.org advocacy slash PAC. What is this? It's all the incumbent member of Congresses and how they voted on our tier one issues. And our tier one issues are defined by our unified advocacy agenda. What is the most important in orthopedic surgeons care? And I know this is a little bit cheesy, but we say you can't spell orthopedic without an R, D, or I. And I think our members are going to be really pleasantly surprised when they look at our joint policy card to see that we have very strong champions on both sides of the aisle. Our champions are Republicans and Democrats, and it's just very balanced. And it shows you how strong our both our legislative team and our political team works and how members are getting those important messages to their members of Congress. So for those that may not know, RDRI is Republican, Democrat, and Independent. So in your role, you deal with a lot with the positions that are currently in Congress. It just seems strange. Why would a doctor ever run for Congress? It just seems pretty far out of our strike zone for what we normally do. How many doctors are in Congress now as full-time members? The current makeup of physicians in Congress, we have 17 physicians, 14 are Republicans, and three are Democrats. Those are all in the House, or how many are in the Senate? So we have three in the Senate and 14 in the House. So there's 435 members of the House, 100 members in the Senate, and 17 of those folks are physicians. That's correct. We need more. For the folks that are trying to run for Congress that have this itch and decide they're going to do it that are physicians, how can they learn more about the deep end of the pool before they start getting too far down the path? Every other year, we host a candidate workshop. It's AAOS along with several other physician groups. And it's for candidates that are interested in running for office at any level. So it could be state or federal level. So the last one we hosted was one year before the election of 2022. So it was hosted in November of 2021. And I'm really excited because several of the candidates that we had at the workshop are actually firing for a seat in the United States Congress in 2022, such as Kermit Jones, who's running for a house in California. We had an orthopedic surgeon who unfortunately lost in his primary, but 
they are able to talk to not only campaign experts, but incumbent members of Congress that have run a race. They know what it's like to be a physician and run for office. Congresswoman Kim Schreier was one of our guests last year, along with Congressman Ruiz in California. And it's a very intimate setting that they can be very candid with their questions. It's tough to run for any type of office, and you're really putting not only yourself, but your family is involved too. So it's a great resource. We'll be hosting another one in 2023. So stay tuned for details on that. Where do they get details? If I was going to think about running for state office, how would I know this was coming up? Yeah. So we publish the details of the candidate workshop. We'll run ads in AOS Now and Advocacy Now. And we usually send out an email as well to all of our members. And maybe you're only 10% thinking about running for office. I would still encourage you to take this workshop because you might not run in 2024, but maybe 2026. And it's just a really great resource. We're fixing a date to podcast because up till now, we've talked about things that can last a long time. But now we're talking about things that are coming up soon and we're going to be dealing with very shortly in November. So there are three incumbent members of Congress who are champions of ours who are at risk in their re-election bids. Let's go through those, if you don't mind. The first one you talked about was Congresswoman Kim Schreier. Through my role as Advocacy Council Chair, I've met Congresswoman Schreier. She is delightful. Tell us more about her and her race, please. Yes. Congresswoman Kim Schreier, she represents Washington's 8th District. She's a pediatrician, and I think she is like a great example of why physicians need to run for Congress because they're trying to diagnose a problem and to find a solution for that. And she has introduced several bills to combat the formula shortage and bring life-saving baby formula to families. And I think her role as a pediatrician really helps in, in that very specific field. Congresswoman Schreier, she spoke at our 2021 NOLC, the National Orthopedic Leadership Conference. She is in a true toss-up race. She ran in 2018 in a very slim margin. That margin became even smaller in 2020. And now in 2022, through redistricting, she's just in a really tough re-election race. This is a true toss-up race. She is an amazing member of Congress. Our Washington members absolutely adore her, and we need to keep her around. I totally agree. She was truly delightful, and I really enjoyed speaking with her and getting to know her better. Also, we have another Congresswoman, Congresswoman Miller Meeks. Tell us about her race, please. Yes. Congresswoman Marionette Miller Meeks, she is running in Iowa's first congressional district. She's an ophthalmologist. Iowa has a population of a little over 3 million, but she knows each and every one of our orthopedic surgeons and has their personal cell phone numbers too. She is a freshman. She won by only six votes in 2020. She has this nickname as Six Pack on the Hill. And I just wanted to reiterate, that is the narrowest margin of victory in a U.S. House election since 1984 and shows that every vote counts. So if you're listening to this on Election Day and you're not sure if you're going to make it to the polls, just please do. You really just laid it out there. So for people that say, what difference does it make? There's the reason right there, right? Yes. And those six votes have given us a great ally in D.C., 
our Iowa members, they're like, oh, let me see if Congresswoman Miller Meeks is going to vote for this. And they just text her and she texts back. So that relationship is just so important. It's a relationship we're not going to be able to replicate with anyone else. So we need to keep her in Congress. I bet. All right. And then we have Congressman Neil Dunn. Tell us about him, please. Yes. Congressman Neil Dunn, he's a Florida member, a urologist, and through redistricting, he's facing an incumbent. So come November, it's going to be a member-on-member general race. This is a new district, and it's a very competitive race. Because it is a new district, we're not exactly sure how it's going to shake up, but this is the tightest race that Congressman Dunn has ever faced in his congressional career. These are the three races I'll definitely be keeping my eye on on election night. And we need each of these three members to win. So are they both listed as incumbent on that or how does that work? Yep. They are both going to be listed as incumbent. They're both sitting members of Congress. All right. So we also have some physicians that are running for Congress that the PAC has supported. First, we have my good friend, Rich McCormick, Dr. McCormick. I will speak to you for a second. He's running in Georgia. He's a emergency room doc, ex-Marine. As a matter of fact, he told me never to tell anybody this, and I'm going to tell the world with this. If you remember that Marine chess commercial where the chess pieces are moving around, and then at the very end, there's the Marine in the dress blue saluting with the saber, that's Rich McCormick. So he went to Morehouse School of Medicine. And then he went to a residency in emergency medicine, and now he's working up in Gwinnett County. He ran before for an unsuccessful bid, but he's running again, and he looks a lot more like he's going to be a lot more successful this time. Tell us more about Rich, please. He ran in 2020, and he lost by a very small margin. The day after the election, all the powers to be called him and said, you've got to run again. So he had a contested primary, which he pulled out of successfully. And through redistricting, he's in a really strong spot for victory. I feel like we should just start calling Dr. McCormick Congressman McCormick. And he is just completely well-respected. Congressional leadership knows who he is. And this relationship that we already have with Dr. McCormick is just going to pay dividends in the years to come. Yeah, couldn't agree more. He's a fantastic fellow as well. All right, we have Dr. Jones. You briefly talked about Dr. Jones, Kermit Jones, running for his seat. Can you tell us more about him? Yes, Dr. Kermit Jones. He was one of the physicians in our candidate workshop in 2021. So I'm really excited to talk about his race. He's running in the California 3rd District. He's a Navy veteran and an internal medicine physician. Our advisor circle members had a private briefing, the DCCC, a couple of weeks ago. And they said, Dr. Kermit Jones is running one of the most fantastic races in the United States right now. This is going to be a really hard race for him. It's a very competitive race. We're not sure how it's going to go. As the DCCC said, he might not come to Congress in 2022, but he will be coming to Congress in the future. He's just an excellent candidate, and we need more physician candidates like him. Absolutely. And then next and last on this list is Dr. Mahmoud. Yes, Dr. Mahmoud, he's running in the California 40th District. He's a pulmonologist. He is challenging the incumbent. So this is going to be also another tough race, but we're really excited to be supporting him and we'll see how it goes. I'm really excited that California is putting forth these really amazing physician candidates like Dr. Jones and Dr. Mahmoud. So a quick aside, I think I heard you mention that a few of these folks were Democrats. Yes. OrthoPAC supports Republicans and Democrats. Dr. McCormick is a Republican. 
Dr. Jones and Dr. Mahmoud are both Democrats. And so a lot of times there's a bias. The AOS PAC only supports very conservative Republicans, and that is not the truth. And I'm speaking to the woman who knows that more than anything. So can you enlighten us a little bit on that in terms of these candidates we're talking about or just showing that as well? Yes. So in general, like when we're looking at supporting incumbents, our split is almost completely equal between Republican and Democrats. And as far as supporting either challenger or open seat candidates, we do have a process. We ask that our members endorse a candidate. Once we get that endorsement, we ask that candidates to fill out our candidate questionnaire the questionnaire has questions about healthcare policy, and we also try to get buy-in from our state leaders in that state. So we'll ask our board of counselors members, our board of specialty society members, along with our state society leadership. So that president, that state ED, and their members. We don't want to support a candidate that our members don't want us to support. Once we get that candidate questionnaire and that feedback from our leaders, we'll put that to our OrthoPAC committee, which you are a part of. And the OrthoPAC committee will say, yes, we are going to support him or we need more information or let's reassess this race in a month or two. Him or her. Yeah. We have a number of candidates also that we could talk a little bit about how we vet through these folks. Dr. Mehmet Oz, of course, everybody knows Dr. Oz from his TV experiences. He's probably the most notable name on this list, but also we have Dr. Annie Andrews, Dr. Larry Lazur, Dr. Miriam Levitt-Flisser, and Dr. Yadira Caraveo. But the PAC carefully looks through these. So to your point, a Academy member, preferably a PAC member, will put their name up and then we look at it. And to your point, we ask the questions about their different leanings on different healthcare policy issues. But after January 6th, we adjusted a bit of the way that we do this. Can you talk about the other ways, the non-health policy ways that we also look at candidates? Yes. So after January 6th, the PAC board decided to take a pause and reassess our criteria for support. Part of that criteria includes the candidate's character. That was a new addition Another addition was getting strong support from our state members. And another new piece of criteria was the electability of that candidate. There's a lot of great candidates that are running for office, but if they don't have a really strong chance of winning, we want to invest our dollars in other races. So, Brittany, it sounds like there's a lot of information out there that y'all are working on in terms of these candidates and all these things. If Academy members and fellows wanted to learn more about these things, how could they find out? You can always go to our advocacy page, www.aos.org slash advocacy slash PAC. I'm really excited about this joint policy card. So if you're a listener and you're taking a look at the joint policy card and have any feedback, please bring it back to me. We want to make this something that we do every election. So we'd like to make it even better in 2024. And also as an aside, this information will be available in the show notes on this podcast. All right. So we went through all of this information about these different candidates. So what day is the election on? It's Tuesday, November 8th. All right. So on November 9th, we'll know everything about who won and where we're going, right? I wish I could say yes, but no, we won't be able to. 
Because of the rise of mail-in ballots and early voting, especially on the really close races, it might be a week to two weeks or maybe even a month until we know the true outcome of the election. And isn't it true that the states all have different election rules? And so some of the runoffs can be much different than they are in other states, too. Yes. Each state has a different way of dealing with their runoffs and the criteria of runoffs. So we're looking at 50 very different elections throughout the country. But there will be some folks who are currently in office who will not be reelected. When does the new Congress sit? When do they get sworn in? The new Congress gets sworn on on January 3rd, 2023. Okay, so there's a two-month period between the election and when the new Congress sits, and that is called lame duck. What's so important about the lame duck and what happens then? So it's like a transition period of members that will be coming back to the 118th Congress to get the remaining work done. And for us, for AAOS, it's really important because we have a number of very large bills that will not be voted on before the election. So we're really counting on those bills to come to the floor in the lame duck session. It always seems very interesting to me, especially if either house is transitioning power to the other party and you've got these big bills that are coming through in the lame duck. You've got potentially a Senate majority leader or a speaker of the house that's not going to be in a couple of months. You've got members of Congress that may not be there in a couple of months. And then all of a sudden we're throwing this huge legislation at them. It's always intriguing to me. Why should they care? And is there other interesting things to know about that? All of the members should care, correct? But we do see sometimes, especially with a member that did not win their election or maybe they're retiring, that they are a little checked out. So it's important for our members to ping them, make sure that they're using our Advocacy Action Center to really show that these bills are really important and we need their support on them. So if there's two things I heard loud and clear in talking with you here is, number one, elections matter. Who gets in really matters. And number two, votes matter, as if anything, as we showed before, that was Congresswoman Miller-Meeks, right, that won by the six votes? Yes. Thank you very much, Brittany. This has been a really great episode. I appreciate you being our guest, and I appreciate the opportunity to work with you all this time that I've been able to. Thank you, Dr. Lundy. It's been an honor to work with you, too. So for those of y'all who have not completely decided who you're going to vote for yet, or even if you have, I'd encourage you to check out the new joint policy card resource that the AOS staff has put together. This shows you how the incumbents support orthopedic issues. So we're not asking you who to vote for. We would never do that. But what we do want to do is make sure that you're fully armed with all the information so that when you go into the election ballot, or if you're filling it out at the kitchen table, that whatever you fill out there, you have the best information about these candidates and to make sure that in the scope that you consider important done to the candidates you want to vote for, that you are fully informed and educated on that. So please make sure that you check that out. It's on the website. In addition to that, it's also on the show notes on this. If anything also came true, listening to Brittany, it's absolutely incumbent, y'all, that we run for office. Nobody speaks orthopedic like us. It's really great to have orthopedic surgeons up on the hill in state and regional and local governmental positions that can influence healthcare policy changes for our patients and for our profession. It's so important for us to get that done. The political action committee that Brittany is the director for, 
they set very strict criteria of how funds are dispersed. You can see all this on the transparency hub at AAOS.org. So all of these things are wide open to you. You can see why we spend the money the way we spend it, why we try to make sure that folks get into Congress, why we influence the laws that are going to come through, and how we influence the rules that are written on those laws, all for the betterment of our patients and our profession. So it's an exciting time right now. Please, everybody go out and vote. If we didn't learn anything from Congresswoman Miller Meeks' election, it is that we should all vote. We should all get out there and vote our conscience. Look forward to seeing you all in the next Advocacy Bone Beat podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the AAOS Advocacy Podcast, part of the Bone Beat Orthopedic Podcast channel with production and sound design by Mission Based Media. For more information on this topic and other AAOS efforts to shape the future of musculoskeletal health care, please visit aaos.org forward slash the bone beat advocacy. <laughs>